You are listening to the Daily Talks podcast where my mom, Dali, empowers parents like you with parenting tips. My mom's mission is to help parents make their child raising experience easier and more enjoyable by sharing valuable lessons to save in unnecessary struggles. The Daily Talks podcast is for any person already parenting or planning on parenting a child. Each week you'll hear different experts talk with my mom about important aspects of parenting, self-care, and of course her specialized area of bullying awareness and prevention. If you haven't subscribed to the podcast yet, go ahead and do so now wherever you may be listening. And don't forget to set up your alerts so that you don't miss any episodes. Let's get started. Welcome to the Dali Talks podcast. My guest today is Danielle Washington. She is a parenting and family mindset coach, and she's going to talk to us today about a really interesting topic about how fearful parenting can get in the way of so much with our children. So welcome to the show, Danielle. How are you? I'm good. Thank you for having me. I'm super excited to be a guest. Yeah, thank you so much for accepting. Um, I love the topic you're going to be discussing today. But before we get into that, let's give our audience a, a little idea of who you are, where you come from, how you ended up becoming a parent yeah. coach. Yes. So my background is kind of, it's, it's, I love telling the story because it's so funny. I started working in the childcare field out of my, um, an undergrad. I did it because I always loved children. I thought I was going to be like a child psychologist, something like that. Like I was going to work with families and children in some capacity. That was my mindset going into college. And I ended up working at the um, early childhood center, um, which is like a fancy daycare essentially. Um, and I fell in love with it, working with children like one-on-one, -on -one, like in the trenches of like people pay you to play with kids. Like, yes, sign me up. This is awesome. And then um, I ended up uh, babysitting for some of the families. And then it turned to like a full-blown nanny career, which I did for on and off for the last like seven and a half years um, where I just, I took my son with me, then I took my daughter with me. So it just like really helped me with the flexibility of being a working mom without like not having to worry about leaving them. Um, while also bringing in money because it's hard to have a one-income one household in these days, like in these times. Um, and then when the pandemic hit, like money people, I was like, okay, I've been talking about like nanny as much as I love it. It's not going to be a my end goal, right? It's not like my career that I want to finish like the rest of my days out with. So I was sitting with my husband and he was just like, hey, why don't you figure out how to make this like into a business? And that's essentially what I did. I The support that I was giving families one-on-one -on -one in their home is now that I do, I do on like a consulting kind of basis or on a coaching basis where I help with like behavior, with sleep, with potty training, like the bigger things that like that take a little bit more, you know, like they're like, it's hard to, to, to kind of figure things out in the eye of the storm. So I like to be like, kind of like the calm in the storm for parents, so they can be the calm in the storm with the children. So um, it's just kind of being the supporter for those who support children. Mm -hmm. I love that uh, because I'm sure that many people are probably going to agree with me when I say like I wish you would have been around when I was going through the thick of it. Mine are now 15 and 16 um, and I remember um, body training specifically. I was like oh I'm dreading it and oh. thank goodness my husband was like I've got it and in one week. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> like there were, I was like, oh, I didn't, I didn't even know it was possible to potty train them that fast. Um, but you know, it was all like you just try to figure it out. So having a guide, and I know that sometimes family is a good source, but I think that they can also inadvertently sometimes criticize, and then you feel horrible about your own parenting. So 
I always tell people like, go to somebody who's not family or like a really, really close friend, like go to somebody else because mm -hmm. now you don't feel that way. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. And I love that your husband encouraged you. Um, my husband did the same thing with my business too. He was like, Hey, time for you to get paid for that stuff that you've been doing for free. <laughs> yeah. 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 So, um, yeah. So tell us what's the name of your business. So, um, the name of my business is sweet peace solutions. Um, and then I created unpackable parenting, which is kind of the mission that or kind of like the basis of the mission. It's based in that it takes a village to raise a child. And it's really just making sure that I am supporting that village, any part of that village. So like I, I help also childcare professionals with trainings and workshops as well as parents. So, it's really just making sure that everyone has that support because I feel like if we have to be our best selves in order for us to be able to pull that out of our children. So we can't just completely negate that. Like sometimes it's the parents that need the support so that they can support their children. So um, yeah, that's, that's the name sweet peace solutions and unpackable parenting is the mission that I, that spoke to me when I was sitting down. I'm a very big person of like when lightning strikes you, like lean into it. Um, because I really believe that we have to like unpack everything. Like you said, like what our our family members might be telling us what parenting is supposed to look like, what society tells us, what these books tell us, what our social media is telling us. Like you kind of have to like really unpack all of that and like how you were raised and all of that to figure out what does parenting look like for you and how do you want to parent your child and what does that look like and how do we mesh all those worlds in a way that it's best for everyone mm -hmm. yeah um and, and i i want to emphasize here that you do this for pretty much anybody who cares for children caregivers parents uh daycare providers uh early childhood education professionals and that's really important because i feel like they they're that category of people who really really need the help and i know um because I've, I've uh, given some workshops to early childhood educators. It is incredible the amount of questions that they have uh, and the amount of support that they seek because I think the, the general population has an idea of, oh, they've got it. They're like really well-trained. And then you talk to them and they're like, we want more training. We want more help. We want more support because not every child is the same and when you throw in elements like a child with special needs you know that's a whole nother task right there to you know get trained on so i'm glad that you're a great resource you said your website is sweet peas or was it no that's the name so the website is www.partnerforparents.com all right thank you okay yeah gotta make sure that you um you say that in here <laughs> we'll repeat it several times so that people can check it out um, all right, so let's dive into our main topic, which is fear of parents, right? How that gets mm -hmm. to, into our parenting. So take yes. it <laughs> Yeah, so fear-based parenting and why it's so, I think it's like one of those kind of like shock and awe kind of like names for parenting, but it really just means it's when we use power and control to get what we want and like to have children do what we want, right? So it's like, it's when we use threats like, you know, get off your screen or like if you don't, you know, clean up your room, you're going to lose your iPad or, you know, if you do this, then that. And it's like it's it's meant to try to get the end result the quickest way with the, with the least amount of effort, right? And a lot of times it's when we're on autopilot 
And we're on those idle, we're on autopilot because of this lack of support where we're like, you're doing, you know, 40 hours at work and then you're coming home and you have to get bedtime, bath, homework and whatever else in like three hours sometimes or sometimes less than that just to do it all over again. And it's like in that moment, I like to also put this extra component of like, it's the fear of the unknown because parenting, there's so much, so many variables that you can't really prepare for. You know, you're not a parent until you're a parent, right? And so you're like in the thick of it and you're like, oh my gosh, I have to take care of this child. <laughs> and you're trying to figure this out and you kind of like, in our attempt to want to make sure that we do the right thing, sometimes we do the opposite, right? We we want to control it because we're like, well, if I don't get them to say sorry every time they hurt someone, are they going to be this terrible person that has no manners, right? So then we try to control and use fear and like manipulation to get them to apologize. And it's like, you need to apologize. If you don't, then we're going home right now, right? And it's like, yes, it's going to get you the result that you want, but is that going to be sustainable long-term? No, because they're not doing it out of their their desire, right? They're doing it out of, I don't want to have the repercussions that comes with that, whether that's getting something taken away from me or getting the affection taken away from me because we, we you know, dismiss ourselves or maybe get putting in time out, whatever the case may be. It shows them what not to do. And that's not sustainable because in order for them to learn what to do in the in the future, they have to know what to do, right? If they show them what is the expectation and model those things. So it's just one of those things. It's a lot of like traditional parenting, you know, and that's why I love that there is this big movement for, you know, conscious, gentle, positive parenting, which really should just be parenting, right? It's just parenting. It's making sure you see your child as a whole individual, even though they're half our size or a quarter of our size or they can't talk or whatever. Um, they're still human beings and they deserve the same respect and love that we give another adult. Yeah. So how does a parent begin to work on unlearning that fear-based parenting? Because I feel like I learned that from my mm -hmm. my childhood, right? Like my yes. mom and my dad, that was it. It's like, if you don't do this, we're going to spank you because there was spanking in my house. Um, mm -hmm. If you want to do that, then you can't, you know, get this or you can't do that. So I was like, oh, and, and I remember being fearful. And um, I think that some adults even today confuse fearful parenting with like respectful parenting. They, they translate the fear for respect. And that's one of the conversations I've had to have with my children because I always, I recognize, you know, that some of my tactics was from what I received as a child. And then I was like, wait a minute, I don't want you to fear me. I want you to just respect the rules. Mm -hmm. Can you elaborate a little more on that? Yes, and it really starts with us, which is why I really truly believe like we have to unpack that, right? We have to, it starts with us being A, recognizing that we're even doing it, right? Because if you don't even know that you're using fear and control to get this outcome, then you can't even, there's nothing, there's nowhere to start. So it has to be, there has to be that recognition. It has to be a commitment. And that's what conscious and gentle and positive parenting, what that movement is. It really just means that you're taking the time to see that the way that we show up for our children directly impacts the way that they show up for us or show up for others, right? And like taking the time to say, well, how can the way that I'm, I guess, motivating them, you know, 
how is that going to help them? Is that going to be something that's going to help them long term where they're going to be a good person that's compassionate, empathetic, you know, a leader and all that? Or is this or is it going to do something else? Is it going to be where they're just, you know, a robot, I like to say. I have to use it as like, we don't want robots. If your child is always compliant and never has a thought or anything outside of what you tell them, then that means that they don't have a sense of self, right? So when they're outside of our homes, they don't know what to do. And when we're not here anymore, they don't have those skills now, right? They don't have any kind of skill of like self-advocacy. They have no self-esteem or any kind of they're, they don't have their own autonomy over themselves because they only know what we've told them, right? We we have controlled their whole narrative. And now we're telling them at 18, 19, 20 years old, make your own story. Now you're grown. <laughs> you know, like now you're grown. Now you figure it out. It's like, well, now but for 18 years, you've been telling me. So now I have to figure this out. And that's why a lot of adults, like you said, we grow up and we're like, we have a hard time advocating for ourselves, right? Or we we are people pleasers, or we have no we, we don't know what boundaries look like. We don't know, or we we're, it's hard for us to put boundaries up because we never had that growing up. I know for me, like boundaries was a no no. Like you don't get to tell your parent you don't want to hug, or you're hot, you don't want to hug, or you don't want to say bye to someone. Like that's that's automatic like violation, right? And it's like so now it's like you grow up and you're just kind of in a space of like is this okay? And that kind of fuels the fear-based parenting because now it's like, you don't know what it looks like, right? Because you only know this parenting style of what you were parented. So like, you don't know where the line is of like when it's it's disrespect or if it's something you need to double down on because you don't know what it looks like because you never had that. So now we're kind of like trying to figure out where does the line end between being respectful and helping our children become their own person. And that's where I feel like a lot of parents, and that's why conscious parenting, gentle parenting is so hard to grasp because a lot of people are like, I don't know what it looks like. You know, and my child tells me, no, it strikes something in me because I got smacked for that, right? Or I got put in timeout for that. So I don't know if this is right or if I'm ruining them and turn to this ingrate. Um, and so it's just, it's being really in tune with yourself. It's constantly checking in with yourself. Like, am I responding as an adult, or am I responding as this child, this 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 inner child that has not been healed, right? Is this fueling something because I don't, this is foreign to me, or is it, this is just, this is, this is new, and when something's new, it's changed, and we're not familiar with it, it fuels our need to control again, right? Because you want, the only way you can feel that, you know, to like, kind of tame that beast of anxiety is to control things, right? That's when we kind of double down and things are like, well, I'm going to continue to tell them that, you know, you're not going to wear that because I want you to wear this. You're not going to wear that blue top. You're not going to put your hair like this. You're, we're going to go eat at five o'clock every day. We're going to sleep at seven o'clock every day because it helps us figure out that like, we know, we know what to expect. Because when we start to kind of let there be gray area, we don't know what to what to expect or what to do. And that's kind of like the cycle that it goes into. You know, we're we're trying our best, but we're trying to figure out what does it look like. And that's why it's so important that we have these conversations and these open forums for us to come together and create this new culture, right? This new normal, because it's not normal, because this isn't what was done before us. So we're 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 working, we're in a very transitional period of trying to bring this new, you know, this new research, you know, um, research-based and research-backed kind of parenting, but it's going to take some time. Wow. Effort. 
Yeah, yeah. It, you, a lot of what you said speaks to me, and I'm over here like taking notes so I don't forget. But what you said was, um, you know, like the control, and and it makes me it makes me um, think of parents that I've seen are like helicopter parents. Um, and I'm, would that be a, a form of fearful parenting? Yes. And that's, and that's the, the opposite way of where you're trying to instill fear. You're letting your fear overshadow your mm -hmm. child's, um, confidence, right? Because that's when you're going in, you're saying, no, you can't do that. So you're like clipping their wings in a way, right? Before they can even see if they can, you're telling them if they can't, yeah. you know? So it's like, you're stifling their confidence in themselves because if they can't trust that I can do this because my mom keeps telling me I can't I'm gonna start believing that that I can't do these things and then all of a sudden their confidence is going lower and lower and lower oh my gosh and that is so dangerous because I, I think of myself right because I mean my childhood was rough but that was one of the things that I know for sure I used to feel my mom's fear and I didn't realize, you know, you don't realize so much until you grow up. And now that you're saying that, I'm like, wow, yeah, there's so many things I didn't do because my mom would say things like, oh, be careful, because if you do this, and then I was like, oh, okay, I'm not going to do that. And it's so, like you said, limiting. And it makes me wonder what, how much more daring would I have been? Um, and I see this a lot with little girls, unfortunately, like, um, especially little girls, like one of my nieces, she is six or seven. She's super driven, very dominant. And um, people don't like that in little girls. She's a heck of a leader. And as a matter of fact, yesterday, I was having a conversation with my, my sister and I'm like, please don't let the teachers because the teachers have a problem when she questions them. Um, and I feel like what you're saying about the parenting is part of that because we've been socialized to believe that children should not question your authority. And that's dangerous because that's how a lot of kids end up not defending themselves or advocating for themselves, especially when it comes to like different types of, you know, abuse. Yeah. And, um, and we all know, you know, like as women, we really do need to hold on to any powerful um, leadership skills Absolutely. that we can have. So I just wanted to share that in there because what you're saying is that fearful parenting is going to, like you said, stifle all, the, all of that great potential that they have. Um, and you've also mentioned two things that I keep hearing you say. It's conscious and gentle parenting. Are those the same thing? They're the same premise. It really just means that you see your child as this whole individual, right? It, and, and it speaks to what you were just talking about. It takes away this class system that we have in our society as it relates to children and adults, right? That adults are at this like this this in this superior group that cannot be touched by children. There's a certain because it's like, who's to say what's the age where you become that? you cross the threshold and now you can talk to me like one-on-one -on -one. because there's some people, right? That I'm sure if you talk to like really older generations that even at 25, you still don't talk back to your parents. Like there is no, like you are the sub, if, if I burst you, you never are an equal. Like you're never going to be an equal. And that is so damaging in so many different ways because if we, we are, we are our children's first, like we're the foundation, right? We're the first relationship, we're the first teachers, we're the first, like we're everything for them. So the way that we present and the way that we connect with them and the, the foundation that we set 
springboards everything else. So if we're showing that love is control, fear, manipulation, it's, it's you know, you being seen as less than, it's you listening to everything I say, not having a voice, that is what they're formulating and that's how they're going to view the world, right? So when they go out and they become this adult, that is the world that's been set by us. We set that tone, right? We said that you don't challenge authority, doesn't matter what they say. So now if somebody... Let's say, you know, if we take it out of context, if someone says at 15, 16 years old, your child goes somewhere and they tell them, you, you need to come in here and you need to like smack that kid in the face because I said so. And what we've said all this time is that you don't challenge authority. Now they're smacking this kid in the face and we can't be bad at it because that's the tone we've set, right? We've said that you don't challenge authority. You're a child stay in a child's place, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. And yeah. it's like, you can't cherry pick. You can't say, well, you can do some things. That's confusing. Um, as they're trying to learn the world, especially if you think about it, they're on this earth much less time than us. So things are much more bigger. You know, they don't have the executive thinking to be like, oh, filter this out. This is only for this situation. It's black and white. They're like, this is just, this is how it is until they get older and they can start to discern that. But now it's a 15, 16, 17 year habit, right? That they have to break. And that's why you find us in therapy or we find us, you know, with these inner wounds because we can't break it because it's just, it's, it's a, it's a constant, something that's been a culture for too long. Right. Yeah. Oh man. Okay. So it, I know that there's a lot of resistance with people when they hear gentle parenting, they have, I think, misconceptions of what it means. I think a lot of them think, oh, I'm just going to let a kid run all over me. Mm -mm. So let's talk about some myths. <laughs> what have you heard out there <laughs> um, that, you know, some myth that you would want parents to debunk so that they can have a healthier relationship with yeah. children? Um, it's all kind of rooted. A lot of the pushback is rooted in that children, that, that, chat, that class system, right? That children are not supposed to be there. Um, and that kind of springboards all of the, the pushback where it's like, well, um, they don't have any boundaries. That's not true. My son can't curse at me. You know, like, he can't come and say, like, I'm a booty head. You know, like, he's not going to And But it's everything's a conversation. I'm teaching rather than just controlling, cutting it off. You know, like, I'm telling him, hey, this is why this can't be. It just means that you have conversations with them and you treat them like a human being instead of something to be controlled or manipulated to get what you want, right? It's just, it's just, it's a different way of connecting with your child. That doesn't mean that you, you know, that, that makes sure that your relationship, your bonds and your boundaries are there, right? You have both of them as opposed to put all these boundaries up and then my child doesn't want to speak to me when they become an adult because they had no bond with me because it's just been like me, me, me saying and doing everything to them. Um, so that's the biggest one, I think, is that there's no discipline and there's there's these children that are just like outright disrespectful, which is subjective, right? Depends on what you view as disrespectful. Because if you view children speaking to you and having conversation, because if you think about what talking back, you know, what talking back is, it's conversation. Mm -hmm. um, but you can have conversations about tone. Like we have that conversation a lot where I tell my son, like, you can, we can talk, but just like I'm not yelling at you. You, I don't want you to yell at me. It's like, I don't, you know, I'm not throwing my toys at you. Don't throw your toys at me. You know, like, it's just conversation about how to get these skills because I like to use this kind of 
metaphor before I go on a tangent because I can. Um, <laughs> <Too. laughs> or this kind of this this like example is punishment versus discipline, right? Punishment, and one of my favorite quotes is L.R. Noss. She said, "Punishment is punishing a child for not having a skill. Discipline is teaching a child." to get that skill, right? You're punished, you're, when, you, when we punish them because they don't have a skill like executive functioning to understand that A equals B equals C, that's not fair to them, right? Because they're learning and the only way they can learn is for teaching them. So if we're just constantly punishing them, they're never learning anything. Mm -hmm. So it's like, it's just a constant cycle of them doing things because they don't know what to do because we're too busy telling them what not to do. Mm -hmm. Oh, thank you so much for describing the difference between punishment and discipline. So that was one of my questions that I had written down for you, um, because I think that there's still a lot of confusion about that. And um, it scares people from trying out gentle parenting. I think they automatically just rule it out because they're like, oh, no, I'm not going to raise these disrespectful kids that, you know, and, and, um, and they they confuse what discipline is supposed to do as well you know yeah. some, people, some people think the discipline is supposed to just put the you know fear of god in them <laughs> and i'm like no that's not what it's supposed to be about um yeah, yeah it's just really um discipline is about consequences right when it comes down to it like teaching kids that there's um a consequence for every action and that consequence is not necessarily always bad because I think that there's also um like it uh a negative connotation to the word itself yes. of consequence or yes. or even discipline it's like oh it's it's supposed to hurt it's supposed to be horrible it's supposed to be bad I'm like discipline it can also be good I mean look at so many billionaires because of their discipline they're able to have a certain structure habits that lead to great things so we got to keep that in mind too um, that's so important yeah 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 are there any other myths you'd like to share with us um let's see um i mean most of it kind of stems off of that right that like that there's no structure or boundaries or discipline but i think it's like my nugget for everyone, look up the like literal definition, like Google or go in a dictionary and look up discipline, because I promise you, it's not what you think it is. It's mm -hmm. actually to teach, to guide, to mold, like you, you hear nothing about punishment and discipline, discipline mm -hmm. at all. Um, so it's just, it's just figuring out what, what works for you and then not letting, and the other thing is like, really a myth but it's kind of like a really big component not letting other people's opinions of how you're raising your child yeah um, influence because a lot of that and again it kind of goes with that fear base in a sense of the fear of judgment for others so like when your child's having a tantrum which is developmentally appropriate for anyone um they they react differently than they would if they're at home out of fear that someone else is seeing this like this not so pretty part of parenting, which is still part of parenting. Um, and that's one of the first thing I talk about with um, with my clients is that tantrums aren't going anywhere because it's emotions. Emotions aren't going anywhere. Mm -hmm. We're here to help them figure out how to handle their emotions, but you don't want to let a temporary moment with a strength that you'll probably never see again impact your child's your relationship with your child because you you are placating them 
when the most important thing in the moment is your child, right? Your relationship with them and how you help them. So don't let a stranger or even a family member, like blood is not thicker than water, you know, like you need, we are their advocate until they can advocate for themselves, advocate for themselves. So if you need to push back on a loved one, doesn't mean you don't love them anymore. Like you love them any less. It just means that at the end of the day, I'll always be in my child's corner. That, that's just, that's because that's my job. Until they can stand in their own corner and back themselves up, I am that person because that is what comes with being a parent and being a caregiver. That goes across all the different roles, right? As a teacher, as a childcare provider, you are their advocate until they can advocate for themselves. And that's against anyone and everyone. Yeah, I'm so glad that you touched on that because I have seen parents change their parenting style temporarily when certain people are around, like say an in-law or like the critical aunt or uncle or somebody like that, or say even a person of faith that has like, you know, this critical eye all the time and they feel like they're going to be judged. And I feel like what I've witnessed where the child notices the change in the parents and they feel almost betrayed. Yes. They're now acting not themselves and maybe most of the times it's stricter just because this other person is here and it shows the child like oh their their opinion and their needs are more, more important than mine absolutely it it's drastically impacts your relationship because now i don't see you as a safe space yeah now and it and it further exasperates this this power struggle and this 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 issue within the the unit because I can't trust you. When I needed you, you didn't step up. So now you want me to trust you again in another space, and I can't do that. Children are need consistency, and if we are consistently inconsistent, that is what they're going to draw from, and they're not going to feel safe, which is not going to have not going to help them want to understand or listen to us because they don't feel like they can. If I don't know if I can trust you, then how am I supposed to let you lead me, right? How am I supposed to, why, do, why would I want to listen to someone that I can't trust? Mm -hmm. Yeah, oh my gosh, I'm so glad that we discussed that part of it because um, you just made me realize that I've seen that uh, several times. And um, I asked myself, have I done that at any point not realizing it because I think that can happen too right especially when it's family that's pressuring you oh for sure mm -hmm. and that's a myth let me do that that's a good myth thank you for bringing that up because the myth is that you cannot get it wrong that you can't have these traces of traditional parenting or you know fear-based parenting come out we're human mm -hmm. we're going to have mistakes I still yell sometimes I still respond inappropriate sometimes but the difference is the intention behind it, right? I'm intentionally trying to show up and be better every single time. And I allow for myself for those mistakes, that compassion, but I also apologize and collaborate with my child. Like, hey, mommy was wrong. This is why I was wrong. This is what we can do. Or how can I do it? Putting it in his thing. Like, and being okay if he's like, I don't accept your apology because that's okay. You know, like if I do something that's really damaged him, he needs to be able to feel what he needs to feel. He needs to be able to come around and have that conversation or have the conversation when he's ready to have the conversation. A lot of times, that was a big one that I had to work on because I would always want to fix it right away. And if he was mad or like, leave me alone, 
I would almost like want to control it more. Like, no, please, like, talk to me. Like, don't walk away from me. And it's like, that's so unfair to them that we we want them to placate our own discomfort, right? Which is them telling us that what I don't like you, or I don't want to be here, or whatever, which is like, I mean, it's okay to feel those things. It's we want to like try to fix it right then and there and on our terms. And we don't let them have that moment to be like, hey, no. I'm not ready to talk to you about it. I'm still upset, you know, and like giving that space to be able to do that. Like, it's okay to be upset with another person because we're all human. We're going to make mistakes. And my son will tell me in a heartbeat, like, I need space, mommy. (laughs) I need space. I need time. Like, I don't want to talk about it right now. And I'm like, that's all I can do. And then that mutual respect, right? Because then when I need a moment, we've had the skill. We had this talk. I say, hey, I can't talk about it right now. Give me five minutes. And he has to respect that because I respect it. Yeah, I love that because you're also empowering your child. And the best, one of the best things that we can do for our kids is to show them that high respect, level of respect, because we're pretty much teaching them how they should or, or what, what they should or should not allow from others. And Absolutely. that's so important because I grew up... Um, like I said, you know, with fear and a feeling very powerless. And that was not a good feeling. Um, and you're right about, you know, just because you, you're you teaching this to other parents doesn't mean that you don't make the mistakes. I do too. That's what I tell parents too. I'm like, look, I'm a parenting coach, but I specialize in bullying awareness and prevention. Um, you know, I do have tips on other parts of parenting, but I'm not a perfect parent and I'm also not a perfect advocate even when it comes to bullying because there's some things you just you know you've never it new things right um I have a lot of knowledge and I'm always improving on it but yeah so I I, I want to emphasize that those of us who work in the parenting space also don't have it a hundred percent together no one does no. I mean nobody does um so Thank you for sharing about the myths and, you know, um, uh, punishment versus discipline and the signs of, you know, fearful parenting. You, you gave us a few tips there. So if a parent wants to work with you or an organization is listening and um, they want to work with you, how can they get in touch and what types of services do you provide to each? So you can email me at admin at partnerforparents.com. My website is partnerforparents.com. For parents and caregivers, I do workshops and coaching, um, both group and one-on-one coaching. And then for professionals, I have workshops and training. So the difference between the two is workshops are more just like information, whereas trainings is more like working on skills and we do like exercises and we like really put things to practice. So um, those are the two kind of separate components that are underneath the same umbrella. Um, but yes, you can find me at again partnerforparents.com um, or my email admin at partnerforparents.com or on all social media at unpackful parenting, which is like unpack your suitcase. Um U-N-P-A-C-K-E-D full parenting, all one word. Awesome. Thank you so much. I'll make sure that I have links to all your social media, website, email, and the show notes so that people can um, more easily find you and reach out to you. Um, Any last tidbits of advice or anything else you want to share before we close up? 
Yeah, I think what you said that last little bit about empowerment, I was just at a wedding and I was talking to a young lady that was talking about her daughter. And she's like, what, what is the one thing, like the golden nugget you'd say that parents could give your child? And I was like, I think it's empowerment. Empower them so much that like, when they go out and I say like, we sometimes want to do this shell, like we're like, we have to, we have to get them hard enough to go out into this crazy, cruel world. But really the armor is them feeling so confident in themselves that nothing can tell them different. And that includes us, right? Like if they were not, we are not immune or exempt from us being able to say that like we can influence them. We want them to be able to stand so firm, like an unshakable force so that when all these forces are coming to them, they know who they are and there's nothing that, or no one that can tell them different. And that's really the best tool you can give to someone because that keeps them on the path that's meant for them, right? Because at the end of the day, it's their life. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Thank you so much, Danielle. And thank you for making time to come and share all of this knowledge uh, with us. Um, I, I hope that you continue to reach out to as many parents as possible because I feel like with all the social media influencing our children today, all TV and I mean, everything, it can be mm -hmm. so exhausting and children kind of like believe the, the fake things they see on TV to even to the point to where they feel like they can model some of the behaviors they're seeing in this fake world and bring it into the real world. And we're like, mm -hmm. what the heck is going on? <laughs> and how do I not trip out on my kid yes. and like, you know, have a good conversation where they can truly understand that I'm coming from a place of love and concern and you know, like, hey, cut that out. That's not real. That's not really how life works. Yeah. yeah. So, well, thank you so much, everybody, for watching and we'll see you next time. Thank I really hope that you enjoyed that conversation with Danielle. She is amazing. Check out her, um, her website and please subscribe to her newsletter. She forgot to mention that she has one. I think that you're going to find it very refreshing because she sends very concise pieces of information because she knows that you're a very busy person. So it's nice, short and sweet, very valuable. Um, and share this episode with other parents. And if you're watching on YouTube, click subscribe. If you haven't subscribed to my podcast, please do so wherever it is that you're listening. Thank you always for being here, for listening and sharing. And until next time. Hey, did you like that episode? If you did, be sure to subscribe to this podcast wherever you may be listening and write a review. If you want more tips or some behind-the-scenes videos, make sure to follow my mom at Dolly Talks on Instagram. You can turn on notifications for her posts and stories as well. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. See you next time. Hey, did you like that episode? If you did, be sure to subscribe to this podcast wherever you may be listening and write a review. If you want more tips or some behind-the-scenes videos, make sure to follow my mom at Dolly Talks on Instagram. You can turn on notifications for her posts and stories as well. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. See you next time.